and welcome to This Week Explained. I am Tiana. And I'm Kervin. And today we will be discussing the big geopolitical events of the week. But first, we would love to hear from our listeners and what everyone would like to hear more of or any questions related to the current state of geopolitical affairs. As always, you can find our email in the show notes and we look forward to hearing from you. We certainly do and we will get back to you. Um, Now, what is on your radar this week? Obviously, we'll continue talking Russia and Ukraine, uh, but we also had the United States Senate vote to approve Sweden and Finland into NATO. Uh, We'll discuss Nancy Pelosi's trip to Taiwan and the repercussions of that, Mm -hmm. which are still going on as we speak. Yeah. Uh, Also, the U.S. has asked China not to support Russia. Um, Gee, I don't think they're (laughs) going to. I don't think they're going to listen to that. I don't think they're going to. We'll we'll see. I'm not. I'm not a Nostradamus or anything, but Mm. we'll Mm. see. Uh, There's a uh, exercise that the South Koreans in the U.S. are working on, and part of it has an assassination attempt on Kim Jong Un. Oh. I'm sure that won't trigger him at all. He <laughs> yeah. won't do. He won't freaking set off any more missiles in nope. retaliation. Uh, peace in Korea peace. has been attained. <laughs> hey, uh, don't say that. Let's keep going. Don't say Iran. that. So then we have Iran, uh, who says that they have the ability to build a nuclear weapon now. Oh, this is getting better and better. Uh, the huge story of the week, at least in the United States, was that a Al-Qaeda, the top Al-Qaeda leader, was killed in Kabul, Afghanistan. And we'll mm-hmm. talk about all the implications of that. And then this week's History's Mysteries will be on influencing American perception. That's okay. a fun story. <laughs> You, you you sound really excited about it. So good. You're not awake yet, are you? No. Yeah. But we'll get. We'll do this. Yeah. Okay. So, what is the big news coming out of the war in Ukraine? All right. Russia is continuing to move west um, mm-hmm. as they consolidate troops in the southern portion of Ukraine, and that's for a new offensive trying to overtake the port city of Odessa. Um, That offensive is still in the planning and development stage for the Russian military, but it does look as if they will be able to carry out that plan very soon. Um, Also this week, Lebanon released a seized Syrian ship that Ukraine says uh, held grain that was stolen by Russia. Mm -hmm. Uh, So um, Ukrainian officials asked that... uh, the Lebanese reversed the decision and reclaimed the ship, but Russia claims the accusations by Ukraine are not based in facts. And as of right now, the ship is back in Syrian control. Anything else going on in Ukraine we should be looking at? Uh, yeah, so Ukrainian President Zelensky's hometown of uh, Krivi, which is about 150 kilometers west of the city of uh, Dnipro, along the Dnipro River, that city's under attack by Russian forces in what I would consider a purely psychological attack on the people of Ukraine. Mm-hmm. So the thought here being that the fall of the president's hometown could impact morale in the country, not to mention the morale of the president himself. Yeah. So as with every recent attack on the towns along the southeast of Ukraine, we can expect multiple attacks on civilian locations that Russia will say are strategic military sites 
But no one believes it. No one believes it. Um, but something I'm working on for next week is a report that was put out by the uh, Human Rights Council that Ukraine is actually failing to protect civilians by holding up military sites in civilian locations. So I'm doing a deep dive into that. Uh, and it, it yeah. kind of goes towards Russian propaganda. Um, yeah. So that's why I'm trying to filter out some of the conversations that they're having. But you'll see that next week. Well, let's discuss the United States voting to accept Sweden and Finland into NATO. What is the story there? Yeah, so the United States Senate voted unanimously uh, 95 to one, so that's ninety-five four votes to one. That's no not vote. unanimous, though. In the U.S., it is. <laughs> <laughs> if you could okay. get maybe like sixty of those people to vote yes, that's yeah. pretty pretty unanimous in our politics. Can't wait uh, to hear about this no vote. Yeah, well, let's do that. You want to discuss okay. that one? Well, yeah. Let's okay. discuss the no, the one no vote, the yes. one jerk who was like, "No, nah, I don't think Finland and Sweden should join NATO." And so, and so, what I was saying about purely political, um, yeah, is so that vote came from Missouri Senator Josh Hawley. It's just because he's mad about his video. <laughs> well, in the capital, yeah, no, there, there's that too. But <laughs> also. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Senator Hawley is positioning himself as a potential presidential candidate in 2024. Oh, Lord. Um, and that no vote is going to endear himself to a certain base of people that would like to see the U.S. leave NATO. Hmm. Now, uh, on the same side, uh, so Josh Hawley is a Republican senator. Uh, also, yeah. Senator Tom Cotton, who's a Republican, is another potential presidential candidate. But he welcomed the idea of both countries entering the NATO alliance as, from what he said, their militaries have a track record of defending itself from Russian aggression. When voting to approve NATO membership, <coughs> excuse me, is it usually this unanimous? <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, so the last vote was in 2019, and that was to approve North Macedonia. Uh, that tally was 91 in favor and two opposed. So uh, okay. the no votes in that count were from uh, people who they consider themselves. This is not me saying they're isolationists. They consider themselves isolationists. Okay. Uh, and that's Rand Paul and Mike Lee. Um, they, okay. they have a track record as well of being opposed to NATO. Um, so it pretty much aligns with previous voting sessions. Well, thank you for that explanation. And hopefully those countries are given a chance to strengthen the alliance. Um, I know we should pivot. To the story of the week, Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan. Yes. Did we just start World War Three? Uh, not yet. Okay. But it was <laughs> quite the week in the Indo-Pacific region. Um, yeah. So, so we spoke about for the last couple of weeks, Nancy Pelosi planned a trip to Taiwan as a show mm -hmm. of solidarity to the small island. Obviously. China was not happy about the visit and moved certain military pieces into what some consider Taiwan's territorial waters. Okay. Now, uh, the, the White House put out a statement affirming its one China policy and went as far as to say that the U.S. does not support Taiwan independence. <sighs> when asked about Speaker Pelosi's visit, the White House spokesman stated uh, that she visited on her own volition and all questions should be directed towards her team. 
Did China end up doing anything besides moving equipment and military closer to Taiwan? So not while Pelosi was there, which is something we mentioned last week. They weren't going to do anything personally to her or her team. Mm -hmm. Uh, But as soon as she left, China fired precision, uh, precision missiles into the Taiwanese Strait. Um, the Chinese government released a statement that the objective of the strike was achieved, but did not elaborate <laughs> on what the objective was. I mean, they could have said anything there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any thoughts on what they were trying to achieve? Speculate here. Let's hear. Let's hear it. Yeah. So um, my thought is they wanted to save face without escalating to war. Okay. Um, so so that not means World War Three. Not World War Three. Not yet. So after two weeks of saying there would be consequences for the visit, uh, they had to do something. They had to do something as a show of force. But they did not want to unintentionally kick off a war in the region. And so in that regard, it was a success. Yeah. They did something. The war hasn't started yet. Um, And now the Chinese government gets to tell its people they are protected from any U.S. aggression towards Chinese territories. Anything else come out of this visit to Taiwan? So, as I mentioned earlier, it put the Biden administration in a tough position of not wanting to kowtow to Chinese demands. Yeah. Also, not start a war because a high-ranking official decided a visit to the island was important. Um, Outside of that, some experts are saying the trip actually bolstered the ties between Russia and China. Just what we needed. Right. And that is why the U.S. has asked China to stop supporting Russia during its war in Ukraine, right? Exactly. So the White House... Why? Dis- What's I, don't <laughs> I don't understand why China would be like, okay, we were ticked off about Pelosi joining Taiwan, but we'll, we'll do this favor for you. We'll, we'll stop supporting Russia. What the heck? Here's, here's what the White House told the Chinese. Mm-hmm. If they don't stop supporting Russia... Or if they if they don't, yeah, if they don't stop supporting Russia, this is what they would do. What would happen? Mm-hmm. Um, and they made it clear that if China continues on its trajectory of support of Russia's war in Ukraine, uh, the second largest economy, which is China, mm-hmm. could lose access to trade from the other top five economies. So they're not really asking; they're actually giving them an ultimatum. Yes. Kind of thing. Okay. Well, which economies are in the top five? All right. So the U.S. as of right now is first. Uh, and then I don't know how. Yeah. Then it's China. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then three through five goes like this: Japan, Germany, and the U.K. In that order. Okay. Now that would put China at a very precarious position in global economies. Uh, it could be very detrimental to the people of China, and we all know. Once you start messing with people's money, mm-hmm. uh, they tend to revolt. I don't care how authoritative you are as a government. <laughs> Which they're currently doing in China right now anyways, with exactly. the banks not releasing the funds to their people. Yep. And they okay. are seeing the repercussions of that. So Yeah. Not that so, they've done anything. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's going to be a very interesting event to track as we inch closer to conflict. Uh, that could see the largest <sighs> geopolitical change since the end of World War II. Well, obviously, we will track this development for the foreseeable future. Um, Staying in the Indo-Pacific region, what is this story about an exercise to assassinate? (laughs) This is is wild. Um, uh, So 
The story came to light after information was released on the details of a joint exercise that South Korea and the U.S. will participate in. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, uh, South Korea and the U.S. have participated in these for years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a while since they've done it recently. But this exercise will try to validate what a military conflict against North Korea would look like and hope to identify any shortcomings within the two countries' militaries. Okay, well, this is... Um, a tangent, but I really want to know if they have like a physical dummy of the North Korean so, leader. So there's they... a lot I can't get into uh, oh, about how these go, but a okay. lot of it is done in what's called tabletop gaming, um, which is just it's in the you can use Dungeons it now. Dungeons and Dragons right. for military. So that was that's a, an older generation of of war gaming. Um, oh. Now we use sort of a virtual setting, uh, but I'll leave yeah. it at that. Oh, so they don't have an actual dummy. They don't like have like a wax man. I want okay. I right, want fine. a wax Kim Jong. I want a wax Kim Jong. Amazon has dummy. them, and I wanted okay. Anyways, okay. So. <laughs> I'm like pouting now. So how does that lead to a possible assassination of North Korea's leader? All right, so sources familiar with the U.S.-South Korea military alliance uh, say the games will climax in a quote-unquote decapitation exercise. They have to have a dummy. <laughs> or do they just take the little the little figure and, like, take somebody's pocket knife? And so- I don't know what is wrong with me this morning. I apologize. <laughs> I'm not. So, I'm not condoning no, there's no... assassination or anything. I just want to know how these exercises work. That's all. And my brain immediately was like, <laughs> "It's got to be, got to be a dummy." There's, there's got to be a dummy. <laughs> so what's going to happen here in this exercise? Okay. Um, okay. They will play it out to invading the heart of the North Korean command structure uh-huh. and taking out the leader. Um, and even though we know very little about North Korea's leader, Kim Jong-un, mm-hmm. uh, we can be sure he is going to take this personally. Absolutely. Absolutely. This, and this is a guy that wasn't happy about the 2014 comedy, The Interview. Yeah. You know, which pretty much visualized what an attempted assassination would look like. Yeah. That was just a movie. It was a movie written by stoner comedians. Yeah. Um, this exercise is by two countries possibly formulating a plan to carry out that assassination. And all this comes at a time when North Korea is looking to perform its next nuclear test, which could escalate tensions in the region even more. I can't imagine any world leader, any country's leader being okay with two countries collaborating on an exercise about their assassination. Definitely. I'm I'm 100% in agreement with you. Yeah. So anyway. No individual will want to hear that. Of course. Any human being, nobody wants to hear that they're plotting your murder or death or whatever. Sorry. <laughs> but we also well, all haven't murdered millions of our own people. So Yeah, that's true. I mean, I didn't say he didn't kind <laughs> no, of earn no, this I exercise. Know. I didn't say that. But I mean, still, you know. So a lot is going on in the Indo-Pacific this week. And I'm sure that will be true for quite some time. Yes. Since you mentioned nuclear tests, let's move to Iran and discuss the current state of its nuclear program. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. 
Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. All right. So this week, the head of the UN's nuclear watchdog said that Iran's nuclear program is, quote unquote, growing in ambition and capacity. And his agency needs full access to verify all aspects of it. Of course. Yeah. And he isn't the only one saying that. As Iran has stated, they are improving their nuclear capabilities. Hmm. So all this talk has led the U.S. officials uh, to request a return to the table for discussions to revive the Obama administration's Iran nuclear deal. And as we know, we've talked about before, that deal was reversed during former President Donald Trump's administration. Uh, why did he do that? <laughs> He's not doing anything anymore. So, <laughs> <laughs> Will this have any impact on reversing Iran's current nuclear plan? Uh, it is my opinion that it will do very little to stop Iran from continuing yeah. its pursuit of an arsenal of nuclear weapons. I mean, why not? Yes. And so that has Israel on edge. You of know, course. We've, we've discussed Iran has called for the annihilation of the state of Israel. Okay, I'm going to keep you honest here because last week you raved about the positives of nuclear energy. I did. But you seem very leery of Iran having that technology. Can you explain where you stand on this? Of course. So, I remain very pro-nuclear energy as a clean form of energy. Mm -hmm. uh, but, I mean, I am a staunch opponent of nuclear weapons um, yeah I do not like nuclear weapons um recently i was asked my thoughts on the morality of the bombs the u.s dropped on japan to end the war in the pacific during world yeah. war ii yeah and while you know i think that uh that weapon ushered in the end of the war it was a brutal action and and that's going to be debated forever you know i have a tough time falling on either side of the opinion you know, it's it's kind of like the absurd trolley problem. I don't know why you said that like I knew what that is. <laughs> okay, so the, uh, the absurd trolley problem states, uh, a trolley is heading towards five people. You can pull the lever to divert it to the other track, killing one person instead. So what do you do? They didn't kill one person. Well, right, but okay, sorry. <laughs> are, you going, are you going to save the many uh, and kill a few? Or do you just let it happen? Um, and, and there's a lot of questions that you need to ask before you make that decision. Uh, but on the surface, it's basically the question of, like I said, do you sacrifice uh, the few to save the many? And that's you know that's what the U.S. did when they dropped the atomic bombs on mm. um, you know on on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Uh, so while I consider nuclear power one of the safest forms of energy. Uh, the ability to have access to such a destructive weapon must be regulated on a global scale. Agreed. Thank All you right. for that clarification. And as the talks resume, we will surely go more into depth with that conversation of Iran's nuclear program. Now, there was a very important drone strike this week. Do you have information on how that came about and the repercussions of it? All right. 
let's get into this. That was the story of the week in the U.S. Yeah. Um, so Ayman al-Zawahiri had been second in command for al-Qaeda before the death of Osama bin Laden. Um, since then he became first in command. Numero uno. Numero uno, if you will. Yes. Uh, the CIA conducted a drone strike on the terrorist leader while he stood on a balcony at his home in Kabul. <laughs> Whoa. All right. And um, I'll link some of the stories on the missile that was used because it's a new type of technology. Okay. But uh, this is the most high-profile al-Qaeda death since the raid on bin Laden's compound in Pakistan. Now, the big takeaway for geopolitical and intelligence analysts is that he was living in the capital of Afghanistan, while most analysts believed he was hiding in the nearby country of Pakistan. Mm. This is going to lead to new analysis of the Taliban's government in Afghanistan and how it will now be viewed as harboring terrorists that may continue to plan attacks on the United States and its allies. Now, a lot of analysts I know consider the Taliban's control of the Afghan government as a national security problem, and the fact that this leader was provided safe haven in the capital city has only given credence to that theory. Um, It's going to be interesting how the Taliban will react to this strike, uh, as they have released a statement that they were unaware of the strike planning and called it a violation of international principles. (laughs) Okay, that will definitely be a huge story to keep track of as we are coming up on the one year anniversary of the U.S. withdrawal in Afghanistan. Yes. Can we lighten up the podcast a little bit with an uplifting histories mysteries? I'll see what I can do there. Um, Okay. So this week we're going to discuss British Canadian spy William Stevenson. Mm -hmm. Um, So he was a Canadian soldier, fighter pilot and spy who served as the senior representative of the British Security Coordination for Western Allies during World War II. Now, his story revolves around convincing the United States to enter the war in Europe. Um, Stevenson's initial directives for uh, the British Security Coordination were to investigate enemy activities, institute security measures against sabotage to British property, and, most notably, organize American public opinion in favor of aid to Britain. Now, at the time of his appointment to the BSC, America's perception of the war in Europe was to not get involved and remain isolated from the possible human and economic toll the war would take on the United States. But under Stevenson's, uh, so under Stevenson, the BSC directly influenced U.S. media and media in other hemisphere countries toward Mm -hmm. pro-British and anti-Axis views. Um, He influenced the likes of Walter Winchell and Drew Pearson, who were two of the most influential political writers at the time. Now, before the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor, uh, which we all know was what got the United States into the war, Mm -hmm. uh, the U.S. was viewed as a neutral country in the realm of geopolitics, and it refused to enter the war. Congress went so far as to pass a series of neutrality acts in the late 1930s, aiming to prevent future involvement in foreign wars by banning American citizens from trading with nations at war, loaning them money, or traveling on their ships. Well, that didn't last very long. So, yeah, no, it did not. (laughs) Now we're in everybody's business. And so the lesson for this week's History's Mysteries, uh, Mm -hmm. as it pertains to the current state of affairs, uh, Mm -hmm. is the easiest way to get U.S. isolationists to change their mind does not come out of spies trying to influence American perception but through unprovoked attacks 
of Americans wherever they may, may be based. That's true. You know, look at 9-11, look at any other, you know, any other conflict that America's pushed into. It's always a hmm. perceived threat to American people. Well, you did not do what I asked no. and lighten up the <laughs> no. podcast. Do you have anything to end on a positive note? All right, let me try this one. Okay. Um, it's not a spy story, but it's a security story. Okay. So a Mississippi man said his pet cat helped prevent a robbery at his home. Oh, yay. And he credits that calico with possibly saving his life. Okay, I like where that's going. Do you have any more information? <laughs> All right, I do. So. Um, so the cat, whose name, oddly enough, was Bandit, uh, began to react erratically and jumped on her owner's bed and started pulling the sheet off of him. Now, as she'd never done that before, Fred Everett, the owner, went to investigate the problem. Um, at that point, he noticed two young men outside his back door trying to get in. Well, I hope that situation didn't escalate. Uh, it did not. Um, and Mr. Everett claims that it could have turned tragic had Bandit not alerted to the would-be intruders. Mm -hmm. uh, so once he saw the two intruders, he immediately ran to get his handgun. And by the time he returned, the two young men had already left. Um, so can we start putting out a fund to start making beware of cat signs? I'm pretty sure those exist already. Oh, let's get them. Because yeah. our two cats, beware of uh, them. <laughs> what? They'll love you to death? Well, Eloise, well, Clementine will hide under <laughs> our covers. But... Um, so we don't have anything on domestic, um, um you know, sorry. So, my... yeah, so there's some more, there's some more stories that will be coming out next week that we're still okay. looking into. Um, okay. obviously Brittany Griner was sentenced to nine and a half years in a Russian prison, yeah. uh, which is, which is tragic. However, that was what needed to happen in order for negotiations for, uh, a Her prisoner release. swap yeah. to, to really get going. Also, okay. uh, you know, we talked a lot about China, as always, and they've stopped diplomatic ties with the U.S. due mm -hmm. to Nancy Pelosi's trip, plus their missile firing in Taiwan and blocking off the Taiwanese Strait. So there's a mm -hmm. lot going on there, and so next week's podcast is going to be much longer. Okay, well, is there anything else for this week? No, after all that, we are out of time for this week. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Well, as always, if you like this show, please try to tell at least one person about us. We can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a moment, head over to Apple or Spotify Podcasts and give us a review because those can help us get noticed by thousands of podcast listeners globally. And as always, if you would like in-depth coverage of these stories and more, please subscribe to our community at oakwindanalytics.com. Tiana, thank you so much. And until next week, stay safe out there.